When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. What a day. How's your boy been? Nothing to do. It's up to you. All right, let's go. Four o'clock on this Thursday. One hour left of our five-hour midnight ride. The warm-up show coming up as we'll get you ready for your Thursday. Tomorrow already. I can't believe it. I'm an hour away from Friday. That's how I look at it. I'm always I'm it's I'm always on to the next day. It's it's amazing. I'm always confused on the days. It's still uh, it tricks it's you. Friday Eve. It's Friday Eve. I'm an hour away from Friday, baby. Let's go. We got the championship games. We started the show with Harbaugh, obviously, uh, leaving Michigan after doing everything he had to do there. I mean, he accomplished everything. I wouldn't think. I'm sure many Michigan fans are disappointed, but coming off a 15-0 and national championship season, I would have to imagine it's it's bittersweet at the worst. I mean, he did everything you could have possibly hoped. Brings you your first national champion ship since 1997, had turned turned around the program after a, a, a lackluster start. I remember like two or three years in, he still hadn't beat Ohio State, and it just felt like, oh boy, maybe this wasn't going to work out for him, and he's going to head back to the NFL before you know it. But he stuck it out there despite flirting with the NFL almost every year. But he, went, he does win the national championship. He dominates Ohio State for a couple of years. And he's brought the the program back to absolute prominence as one of, if not the top program in football. But with the ever-changing landscape that now is the NCAA and college football and the NILs and everything else, having done everything, it's time to go chase the other, the other title that has eluded him so far in his brief NFL career, the Super Bowl. And he goes to the job that I think most people would have told you to start the year is the best opportunity to win quickly. Uh, I I still think obviously Herbert's a legitimate quarterback, and his success with quarterbacks is is, is obviously goes back to his early college days. I mean, he, he luck at Sta- at Stanford, or obviously and different ways. You know, he's got obviously Alex Smith, who is considered a bust. Right, he's a uh, first overall pick bust until he got to San Francisco and turned Alex Smith around, and then Alex Smith obviously goes on to Kansas City and has a career there as well. And then he brings up Colin Kaepernick before really it was in vogue to have these dual threat uh, quarterbacks. He turned Colin Kaepernick into a guy who took him to a Super Bowl. He's been to multiple NFC championship games in San Francisco, and this is a guy who can now have Herbert uh, and an offense that should be much better than it's been. A defense that this coach was, uh, that, you know, the previous coach Staley was supposed to fix, never could, just an absolute terrible head coach, and steps right in with a franchise quarterback and. In most estimation, you know, a team good enough that was picked to be a playoff team this year. I was listening. I listened to a couple of different betting podcasts and different things. A lot of guys had them in their futures. Herbert for MVP, uh, Chargers to win the AFC. Chargers were a sexy, trendy pick to start the year and fell on their face. And now he goes there, leaving the other big names in the coaching carousel still out there. And both are now attached to Atlanta as Vrabel is now interviewed, being one of the 14 guys interviewed in Atlanta. And every day that passes by that they don't hire Bill Belichick, 
makes you think they're not going to hire Bill Belichick, because if not already, why not? And it seems like the thought process is there's butting of heads between him and the front office, whether it's butting of heads or whether he wants his own guys, whatever the case may be. It seems like uh, it seems like the owner there, Arthur Blank, is hesitant to make that decision. I don't know, but the further they get away from those second that second interview from Belichick without hiring him, you could see Belichick not being a part of the Atlanta Falcons, and if not Atlanta, I don't know where. You know, Vrabel's been in, interviewed in Carolina. They're, I think Vrabel's looking to get right back in. I think Bill might be in the position to look for the right team, and he might think Atlanta's the right team, barring the quarterback. They have a pretty good roster. I think you could see him within a year transform that defense into one of the better defenses in the league, certainly in that lousy division. And if they are a quarterback shy, I mean, you talk about the running back there, Bijan Robinson, one of the more underutilized, excellent players in the NFL this year. Part of the reason why I think the head coach was, was fired there to begin with, uh, Arthur Smith was let go because of his inability to use that running back the way he should have. Made no sense. Obviously, Pitts is another one. You talk about underutilized, you know, coming out of Florida was considered an absolute stud and has been anything but in his brief tenure with the uh, Falcons here in the NFL, and they have London at wide receiver. I think, you know, and I think you can understand that the the trepidation with maybe having a, an issue with moving on from some of the people inside the front office, because you can make a case Atlanta's built a pretty damn good team other than Desmond Ritter, who stinks. So I think you could obviously see at this point, not hiring Bill Belichick. And I'm not sure if he wants to take any of these remaining jobs, whether it be Seattle, the Panthers, Washington. I, I don't know. He hasn't really been connected. So you could see him sitting out. And if case, and if so, does that, I mean, is there a hotter seat imaginable under Brian Dable if he's going to have to worry about the connection between this franchise and Bill Belichick just sitting there waiting to pick his job next year? So that's why for me, if I'm Dable, if I'm Shane, if I'm looking at a third year where the second year was a disaster and was dead before it started and the high point was Tommy DeVito beating the Green Bay Packers and Tommy Cutlets and that narrative, and it ended with turmoil and firing a good defensive coordinator and the perception that the head coach is a monster trolling the sidelines and there's a toxic nature inside the the office and everything like that, if that continues and that's still a narrative after next year and they don't win again next year, I mean, their seat is as hot as it, even without Bill Belichick, you're talking about a hot seat, let alone with the greatest head coach who's got connections to the franchise sitting out there waiting. So if I'm them, if I'm Dable, if I'm Shane, and I want to keep my job, I am drafting a freaking quarterback and I am starting that process and I am showing my best skill set to this ownership group and telling them, look, this is what I do. You see Josh Allen over there? You see that stud who leads the NFL in, in, in touchdowns, who wins the division every single year and wins 11, 12 games every stinking year? That's because we drafted him and developed him. And I'm telling you, that's what we do. And I would pull Daniel Jones halfway through the year and show that you are in the process of developing the next great NFL quarterback. And that's how you go about changing this franchise and securing their jobs. And in this scenario, I think both are going in the same direction. I think both are for the benefit of the franchise and the benefit of the coach are both to draft a quarterback. And that's what the Giants should do. And right now they should be hell-bent on figuring out how to get their guy and how to move up or determine who their guy is. And we see that's what changes franchises and nothing else because you can be right on Saquon Barkley and it won't impact winning. And you can be right with Andrew Thomas. And hell, that hasn't even impacted 
the offensive line play, let alone winning. But we see what happens in the NFL when you draft a quarterback and it's successful. You win. Plain and simple. 877-337-6666. So that's been the uh, main crux of the show here. I wanted to get into the the idea of the wide receivers as well because we know damn well both the Giants and Jets. And Sauce Gardner's out there telling you they need him. And leave it to the Jets, man. Who does it more than them? Sauce Gardner out on Instagram talking about T. Higgins, talking about Calvin Ridley being available in free agency, and they are. And those, you know, Calvin Ridley had, I would think, a disappointing year, and that entire team had a disappointing year this year. 76 receptions, 1,000 yards, 8 touchdowns, dropped a lot of passes in big moments. Uh, But T. Higgins, obviously, you would think T. Higgins is probably going to leave the Bengals. Uh, He had some injuries this year. I don't know how they can keep him money-wise, how many, many, you know, the idea of all the weapons they have there. Um, But he's got the size, he's got the speed, and it would be perfect. But leave it up to the Jets. They did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. The Jets have no problem these guys going out there telling you exactly who they should get. They nothing. If you want to be an armchair GM, there's one franchise that'll welcome you with open arms. Go be a Jet. Whether it's Aaron Rodgers being the de facto GM, whether it's the players taking to social media and telling you who they should take, it's unbelievable. But in free agency, both of these teams, and especially for me, the Giants, which I hope in their drafting a quarterback, you could see them draft a wide receiver, and you could see in a wide receiver deep draft the Jets also taking a wide receiver. But I would think the Giants are either drafting a quarterback or an offensive lineman. So when you look at these free agents and you look at improving the team, I mean, right now it's not a terror. It's a pretty good free agent wide receiver class. So when we talk about how they can overall impact this team, and for Giant fans who are concerned either trading up or using a top pick on a quarterback, what about the other options? What about the other holes in this team? Well, the wide receiver hole can be filled with either T. Higgins, uh, Mike Evans, obviously a whole, future Hall of Famer who – had still had a great year with with uh, with uh, Baker Mayfield, eight seventy nine receptions, twelve hundred yards, thirteen TDs. You see, see him be able to make those fifty fifty catches. His deep threat. It doesn't look like he's much lost uh, lost too much of a step. Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, I I really like Pittman uh, in in uh, uh, with the uh, Colts. I mean, I think he is a he had one hundred nine receptions. He's an absolute. Uh, he go. He's tough. He's not explosive necessarily. But I mean, he's tough. He takes catches over the middle. He he can he can lay the wood. He can break a tackle. I like a lot about Michael Pittman. I could see Pittman being a legitimate weapon uh, threat out there. I know um, SMY had a story on Gabe Davis with the Bills. He's going to be out there, and he's one of those guys. I mean, obviously in that playoff game, he emerges. He has four touchdown catches, and you think he's ready to take off, and it's going to be a, an enormous one-two punch between him and Diggs. And it hasn't really been that. Uh, he has his games where he's explosive for touchdowns, but for whatever reason, him and Allen, they're on the. They seem to be not on the same page a lot in a lot of different games. But he's explosive, and he's someone who you could see as being maybe a little bit less of an expensive option out there in the free agent market to go get. I think Dar- uh, Darnell Mooney with the Bears is better and more talented than than he's been. You got Hollywood Brown with the Cardinals. Uh, Who's 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 got plenty of speed to burn, but ultimately has not been able to make the impact you would like. So there's some options out there to bring some weapons to this team in both scenarios to either pair with a Garrett Wilson who looks like to be an absolute stud, or to really be someone to try and give the the Giants actual weapons. If it's not, you know, you're not sure about Hyatt yet. Uh, Wandell Robinson has shown ability to be a little shifty and make and and make guys miss and and be and actually have a pulse 
<laughs> for a wide receiver that the Giants haven't had forever, but ultimately they have zero weapons. So if you're going to draft and if, and if namely you're going to trade up, you definitely have to look in the free agent market. So that's the list of wide receiving free agents that I think could make an impact with both these teams. 877-337-6666. As we get ready for championship games that start on su- that uh, uh, championship Sunday, obviously we got the Lions and the Niners, and we've got the Ravens and the Chiefs. We'll get more into it uh, tomorrow on a football Friday. We'll have our picks. We'll get into it much more. We talked about it a little bit, but we'll get more into it on a football Friday. But right now, we'll get back to your calls at 877-337-6666. All right, Brett, what do you got for me today? Brett in Long Island. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? How are you, Chris? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Everything all right? You guys good? Well, I mean, yeah, let's just get this straight right off the bat. Let's when it comes do it. to music, yes. food, and the Giants. Yeah. You're wrong, and I'm right. I'm not. And the that, only way that's... you'll ever win with me is you change the narrative, which you're going to do now, right? I just want to start with this before we hang out. Yeah, okay. You change the narrative, and then I listen as I'm driving. I'm like, what is he talking about? I wish he was here. I talk to him like, I would win these conversations. No, you, well, you Last don't. Week, yes, I would. Yes, because you have the control. You pull the strings. I can't. I'm the I'm puppet master of this conversation, Brett. <laughs> you can never beat Brett, me. Last week, I made the point about put Daniel Jones on the 49ers, right? Yes. And, and we would all be talking differently, right? That's what we, we, we know that. But then you almost make it like, oh, yeah, and you talk about it at nauseum. Yeah, so we have to build the best roster for Daniel Jones to be good. But no, you're wrong because two years ago, and you said it, he played good. I don't care. Now you're going to say, oh, I had 15 I never, I never, I never, I never, I never, I, I, you see, now this where? is where you're going to get me mad because where? I, good, you, okay. Uh, he played, uh, you said he played All right, good. can I answer he the, did. this is where we get off, Brett. You've asked me sure, something. Go I'm going to respond to it. Then you can talk. I never, I mean, Daniel Jones played fairly well. I have been on Daniel Jones not throwing enough touchdown passes and not scoring enough points in the middle of that season. I was complaining about the amount of 30-point games. You had to go back almost two full calendar years the last time the Giants scored 30 points, even while they were winning. Now, he got hot against the Colts the last game of the year, and then he had a virtuoso performance against the Minnesota Vikings. I will not ever take that away from him. He was arguably the best player in football that wild card weekend. He was tremendous. Dak Prescott had a big game, too, against Tampa. But he was unbelievable. I'll never take that away from him. But even during that season and after it, I still complained about the number of touchdown passes. I still complained about the offensive output and the amount of scoring. And I still complained about the idea when they got on the field against the, the, the better teams in the league, when they got on the field against the Cowboys, when they got on the field against the Eagles, you saw what happened. So, no, I have never been Daniel Jones is great. I have never been, wow, look at this year Daniel Jones had. I was always... A uh, little nervous about Daniel Jones, despite the fact he played. It's one not hell of a wow. It's just game. that he played good. It's not and, wow. So you no, he didn't play. He didn't not play good. Wow. He, he you don't right. have to change it. Not well. He, he played good right. enough. Even if he ran for eight hundred yards and threw fifty, he played good enough to be stressful and Bruce in the pudding. The, the roster was terrible. Right now, I'm going to go. Don't hang up because I'm going to go with this narrative. I'm not going to hang on. Wait, you don't like. You don't. You don't like this, right? You don't like this. You say, "Oh, stop with the excuses." But you can argue. These are all facts. It's a giant problem, right? The Giants. Mm-hmm. 
We've had how many different head coaches in the past seven years? Yep. How many different offensive coordinators? Who's worse than us? I get it. I see the Chargers fight against. We fired four coaches. Right. <laughs> it's a Giants problem first. That's the first thing. Get that's, that. Everybody get that through your head. It's the Giants. We're a disgrace as an organization right now. Uh-huh. Okay, when you watch a Giants game, I'm in the This is This is the same This is the same franchise that you told me was going to win all these games, though. I just want to share at the beginning of the year when you told me I was an idiot and how great they were and they were going to turn this whole season around and I was going to be eating my words. That's the same disgrace franchise you're referring to? I mean, I could be, I can be wrong, first of all, and I can I'm be... Just, I'm just like wondering... I'm just, I don't like what I wrote for the I'm, Giants. I'm, well, just, no, I'm just wondering if it's the same franchise, the, the, the disgrace and how terrible well, the Giants are when you told me yes how great no. they were. Are they a disgrace? Oh, yeah. Over the last okay. six or seven years, without question. Right. I'm just saying that you felt that they were going to yeah. go on this historic run because they were a really good team and I wasn't being fair to them. I just want to make sure we're all, we're all on the same page about the were, disgrace. I they were going to build from last year. I'm just, got, I'm just know, wondering if you're talking about the same disgrace. Okay. I was wrong, Chris. I thought okay. I was wrong about that. Go but ahead. my point is, Go ahead. the Giants organization has been disgraceful, right? We can, we can. No doubt, they've hired terrible head coaches. Daniel Jones, yeah, and they're like one of the worst organizations as far as like stability. No There's doubt, no they've stability. hired terrible head coaches. Start with stability. So Gettleman, Gettleman wasn't very good as a GM. Gettleman was a bad Listen. GM, and they've hired terrible head coaches. No doubt. Listen, now this year again, right? Or they're not done. Wink Martindale gone. Right? Offensive court. I'm not saying they're wrong. Offensive line coach. Another one. Gone. Yep. The fan. Oh, Dable. He's on the hot seat. So my point is now quarterback. It's like we have to get stability. If we don't get stability, this will never change. And the last thing I'll say is do it the other way. Brock Purdy. These guys. How were they on the Giants last year? How does that look? Are they going to take the NFC Championship game? And have a good day, Chris. I'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Well, let me just. Okay. Goodbye, then. Uh, I was willing to talk to you more. But. What's more stable than getting the right quarterback? Like, that's my point. Look at this. You want to talk stability? I'm all about stability. I've been arguing stability for the last two hours. I'm all about stability. Do you know what gives you stability? Winning quarterbacks and great quarterback play. And you could switch head coaches. They have different teams. The quarterbacks win. That's what gives you stability. The quarterback. And sometimes the head coach, but namely the quarterback. That's what I want. I want the stability of an Eli Manning. I want the stability of an Aaron Rodgers. I want the stability of a Josh Allen. I want the stability of a Patrick Mahomes. I want what will be the stability in a C.J. Stroud. That's the stability I want. And if you think it's easier to go about building the entire roster up to the point like the 49ers have where a Brock Purdy can win you games, fine. I wish that I, – I, I would love to do that. Good luck. Good luck doing that. And then you know what? Here's the thing about stability. That gets you, what, two years of it? Two, three years where you have the best roster in football? What happens when all those great players that you've brought here want to get paid and you can't pay them all? Then suddenly you don't have the best roster in football and you're stuck with Brock Purdy. And then you're looking for new stability. I want the quarterback where I don't have to have the best I don't have to have the best roster in in football cuz you know what? That's freaking hard to do. And it's hard to sustain in a capped sport. So I'd rather have the quarterback who when he loses Hill, 
he still wins a Super Bowl. Or when he has the worst offensive weapons in the league and he's got Kelsey fading and he's got Pacheco and he's got a bunch of wide receivers who can't catch the ball and Tony blowing the game because he can't stay on sides, he still manages to make it to his sixth consecutive AFC championship. That's stability. That's what I'm looking for. And you know what the stability of Jones has brought me? Being one of the worst franchises in the sport for the last five years of his tenure. Is it his fault? No, not completely. But he's been unable to rise above. And it's just at a point now where we're going into year six and I can't still have questions about a sixth-year quarterback. Like, I don't understand. You want stability? I don't know what kind of freaking quarterback I have. He's making $40 million and it's year six. How does that make sense? That's not the kind of stability I want. So you know how you get stability? You find yourself at the top of the draft and you're smart enough to pick the right quarterback. That's how you get stability inside the NFL. That's how you get it. Stuart in Brooklyn. What's up, Stupot? Ah, magnificent as always. Oh, well, thank you, buddy. Listen, Chris, you're 100% right. They have to get the quarterback. There's no more games with this organization. And if I were them, I'll go you one step further. Mm-hmm. I call Bill now and get him here now. No more yeah. games. No, Chris, come on. No more games. I, this I, guy is going around blowing smoke on coordinators and players. Yeah. Give me a break. You yeah, don't I mean, like I guess, that. Yeah, you don't. Uh, that, uh, he changed the entire feeling of the franchise last year doing yeah, just did, that. And then what happened this year? I, Boom, this year it went down bad. I, I understand that, but it's not be, It's not necessarily a correlation. He's He is who he is. Dable. And yeah, I, but guess what? I rather I would have rather well, have Uncle Bill than him. Any I mean, day, any time. Well, I mean, there's no debate who's the better head coach. Bill Belichick. Yeah, but we have to get him now. Because if he's not available next year, then what do we do? And if they want to get, get another head coach, man. there'll be other head coaches. You don't have to have Bill Belichick. There are teams that have won without the great Bill Belichick. And thank you for the call, Stu. I'm up against the break. But, like, I st- Bill Belichick developed... Tom Brady, or at least helped develop Tom Brady. I, and he gets immense credit for that. He took a late-round pick and turned him into the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Now, I don't think he did it all himself. Tom Brady was going to be great no matter where he went, but he wouldn't have won six championships wherever he went. It took him and Belichick to do that together. And while he gets credit for that, he also gets a knock for what happened with Mac Jones. Mac Jones was a promising rookie quarterback. I don't think he was ever that good personally, but you can't argue that he was one of the, I mean, he emerged out of the draft as the quarterback of that draft, really, that first rookie year, and then he completely ruined him by giving him terrible head coaches, and he's not an offensive guy, and so right now, as much as I do respect and and love Bill Belichick and would love to see him as the head coach of the New York Giants, I mean, it would, if they did it, how could I argue with it, but looking at what I want here. I want to develop and draft a young franchise quarterback, and despite his history of Tom Brady, most recently, he's been terrible at drafting offensive weapons, and Mac Jones turned from a promising rookie season into an absolute disaster. And I'd rather take my chances with the the team that was in Buffalo when they drafted and developed Josh Allen. That's why I hired them. I hired them for what they did there. And I think they're in a position to do it now for my team. Why would I move on? 
Now, if they end up not drafting a quarterback because they don't have one at six and they go with Daniel Jones and they lose and they win seven, eight games or at max and, you know, the season feels the same way this one felt and Bill Belichick's available, I beg him to come here and be the head coach. But if I'm developing a young kid to change my franchise right now, as much as I love Bill Belichick, I'd rather have Brian Dable do it because look what he did. He got the best year, and I still don't think it was all that great, but got the best year out of Daniel Jones he's had in his career, won a playoff game with him, and then got Tommy DeVito from a point against the Jets where he wasn't allowed to throw the football into doing something the Dallas Cowboys couldn't do and beat Green Bay Packers. Like, he turned Tommy DeVito into a household name for three weeks. He's, he's, he's got him selling sauce. He's turned him into a damn spokesman, and he couldn't throw the ball against the Jets. So... I mean, look what he can do when he develops, when he has a chance to work with these quarterbacks. Let him work with a real talent. Let him get one of these stud quarterbacks and work with them and change this giant franchise. So right now, that's my pie-in-the-sky dream. And until that's no longer a possibility, I'm sticking with Brian Dable. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. McMonagle here with you. I got you for another half hour until 5 o'clock. 877-337-6666. So I did see something that's, you know, the the Milwaukee Bucks are a little tough to take right now. I mean, first of all, you know, Giannis runs the show over there like many stars do. And, you know, he's a, he's got the reputation of being a little bit of a dirty player, a little bit of maybe a... a Bull in a China shop. Um, but obviously a great, tremendous player, MVP. And brought in Adrian Griffin. You know, was the reason Adrian Griffin is the head coach. And halfway through the season with the second best record in the East, he's the reason Adrian Griffin is no longer the coach. And it looks like they're going to hire, uh, if not, I think they have, I don't know if it's official, official yet. I think it is. But they're going to hire Doc Rivers. And, I mean, good luck to them. Doc Rivers what a wonderful playoff coach. That's, that should really put them over the top. But despite that, today, I guess, or yesterday for their game, they come out in warm-ups, and I don't, I'm don't. i assuming it's new because it's been a story, but they're dancing during the warm-ups. Like, they're hard to take. There's something about that Buck team. i got to be honest with you. So they fire their coach, and now they're dancing. The guy, was what would you think? There was gonna be, it was, it was going to be smooth sailing. The, like, there was going to be, and, and they have the second-best record in the East. They're still one of the best teams in the NBA. It's halfway through the year. They need them fired, and then they're dancing. It's an unlikable team. I I I, I like Giannis. Um, you know he's good in his press conferences. Sometimes he could be funny. He could be different. Uh, great player, NBA. You know MVP, Finals champion. You know, has the ring, has everything, great player, but this has been a little... He comes out with the statement earlier in the year that we all got to be better. Everyone who washes our clothes has to wash our clothes better. Just weird. And now they, now they fire the coach and they come out dancing for warm-ups? Odd. Odd, that Buck team, I tell you. The Knicks got to figure out a way, man. I, if the Knicks can... If the Knicks can figure out a way to get some depth, 
and the Knicks can figure out a way to get that second leader, the leader of that second unit, someone who can actually score and facilitate some of these guys who can't score uh, by themselves and can't make manufacture their own baskets and, and can put up some points, uh, get the shooters open, like, you know, a Brogdon or something, I, you know, they would be, they're not going to get the superstar. Like, we know that, at least not this year. And I don't even know if, you know, trading, you know, uh, for a Brogdon necessarily stops them or or ends the pursuit of a superstar next in this offseason for next year. But you've got they've got to get some depth. They they could use some depth at the five and some size and rim protection too. But you know Sims stepped up and played well. Uh, Achua comes in and gets nine boards off the bench. And plus you got Mitchell Robinson probably coming back, so you feel a little bit better about that depth. But they need to figure out how to replace quickly, and they need you know that depth. Off the bench, that instant, that instant offense, that guy who can lead that second unit, so that you don't have to play, particularly Brunson, those minutes. Because you know, Randall's played the minutes for you know he's a little bit more used to it. He does end up playing the way he plays in the postseason. I'd love to give both of them some time off, but right now they need nine, they need thirty points each to beat the Nets. Like they can't continue to be. I wouldn't expect them to continue to be able to score thirty a night, and. And play 37, 38 minutes every single night. I mean, and I know that's Tibbs' style going back to Chicago with Rose, but like they got to figure out a way to get another guy who can score and run the offense a little bit better than what we've seen from McBride, who's got a little bit too much dribble in his game for me. I mean, just I, I just I don't love it. I don't I I I know he could use more minutes. I know you'd love to see him develop, but I think they got a legitimate chance to beat a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. And, I, and I'd love to see them have that guy like a Brogdon or a Jackson out of Utah, someone like that who could be that guy and then actually go on and take on this miserable Buck team. But they, you know, and they still, they have they have picks. They have Fournier's expiring contract. I still think they could make that deal and then go superstar chasing in the offseason. That's not going to happen now, but they've got to do something to improve this depth and give them a real chance. Because I think they're, you know, I think they're closer than we thought they would be, and obviously the uh, the Ananobi trade has completely changed the team. I do think they're a little sloppy. That's the one thing. If you look at it, and I was surprised they were. I think they were middle of the pack, or actually slightly above average in the turnover department. And since that trade, they've been the they've had more turnovers than any team in the NBA. That's the one thing that's kind of happened with the trade that hasn't been uber positive. Is they've been a little bit more careless with the basketball, but you can't quibble with the record. And now these next two games, they're going to have a big, uh, you know, they, they got Denver tonight, and they got Miami, who's improved themselves come Saturday. And, you know, they got to put to record, they got the 19-0 and record against the lousy teams, uh, which means they're 8-17 and against the above 500 teams. So there'll be a good test for them the next two nights, or the next two games, excuse me, to try and beat a couple of good teams and really put a stamp on this amazing run they've been on since the trade. 877-337-6666. Cliff in West Orange. What's up, Cliff? Hey, Mac. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Good morning. Good. Uh, Good morning. Yeah, West Orange, but also uh, from uh, originally from uh, Franklin Square, New York. So oh, how about go. that? Yes, my hometown, Franklin Square, New York. You played for the Seahawks, right? Did you, I, you go to Cary? I certainly did. Yes, I was a Seahawk. I was too. Uh, did you? Did you actually? I have a question. This is like a random question, but sure. I'll, I'll get into my. Did you uh, play for the Warriors, Franklin Square Warriors? I, I was a Franklin Square Warrior as well. Yes, I was. Okay, well, I'm 20 years older than you, but I uh -huh. actually uh, 
I played with Vinny Testaverde. <laughs> yes, no, Vin, Vinny Testaverde, obviously famously of the uh, Franklin Square Warriors. In fact, I believe he actually used that as a Monday night uh, when they introduced the offense, when they give their colleges or whatever, or, you know, Hugh says straight yeah. off the couch. I believe there's a famous one where uh, Vinny Testaverde said Franklin Square Warriors. Well, yeah, I was at, uh, you know, this is like we're going way off topic, but, but I was. Uh, That's okay. That's what we do my... here. We okay, go way cool, off topic. Cool. No problem. I was at my coach's coach's house that yeah. the night of uh, it was Thanksgiving Cowboys Redskins game like Pat Summerall and Tom Brookshire like you know back in the day mm-hmm. and uh, halftime they had the uh, punt pass and kick competition right okay. back in the day and uh, and Vinny was you know like they had all the kids lined up and Vinny was like two feet taller than everybody else and right. and we're all we're, we're all there at the coach's house watching and he uh, you know obviously when he wins the punt the pass and the kick he wins everything <laughs> and and. Uh, you know, then he goes on to uh, win the Heisman Trophy and whatever. But sure. but uh, no, he was uh, he was special. I yeah, say, no, I remember. I, he grew up in. Uh, he wasn't from Franklin Square though. I believe he grew up in Elmont. We used to Elmont. Yeah, yeah he, he went. To, he ended up going to Albertine Stanford uh, yeah. Junior High, and then he went to Sawanica. Yeah, and, but, uh, and yeah, his, pa- his parents still lived in that Elmont home for a long time. I don't know if they still do, but I remember when I was in high school, and even years later, there was the yeah Al my dad and Al were, were, were very good friends. Oh. Yeah. No, anyway, long story, but anyway. But yes, so, um, Franklin Square Boy. I want to get. I called about the DJ thing, so I have two. I have two takes on it, and you know, they're okay. they're kind of like. I'd like to hear your take on both, right? So, so as far as the DJ thing, the one thing that hasn't come up tonight, you brought it up briefly. But the one thing that doesn't come up from a lot of the callers, especially the ones that argue with you, I tend to agree with you on everything you say, which is kind of scary. But yep. <laughs> but uh, well, it's because I say thing, it with such passion. If no, someone else no, it said is. it, you might not agree with it. It's the way I say things. No, no, but I, I really okay. do. Like I, I, I like waking up in the morning to listen to your takes. So well, it's, you. anyway, so that's a long story. But but the um, the DJ thing, the one thing that I think everybody's missing is like we're paying a guy forty five million dollars a year. Right, mm-hmm. not we, but the Giants are paying a guy forty-five. Well, he is close. not a forty-five million dollar quarterback, right? So no, I, so you, I mean, listen, I mean Baker Mayfield might make the same amount of money, and that's crazy to me. But if you look at it, it's well, sort Baker of Baker Mayfield of the pack. made three million dollars this year. <laughs> well, this year, and Dan, but yeah, I know, but you know, Daniel Jones, the year right. took him to the playoffs, didn't make much money either. You know, right? He was on his so, rookie so deal, think, more than three. But million. your point about drafting a quarterback, yes, is spot on because you know. What's a rookie contract for the first, you know, like you, you've been saying all night is like, you got to get the guy in the room, got to have him for five years and you got to, and you got to nail it. Right. So that's, yes. that's take one. If he's and that guy's going to make probably $10 million a year, right? If he's Maybe. immediately good, there is no better advantage in football than having a star quarterback on a rookie contract. It's the best advantage right. you can have. What the Texans have right. right now is the best advantage you can have in sports or in football, excuse me, to have a stud quarterback well, on, his rookie, on his rookie yeah. deal. Or, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's true, Brock Purdy. But, I, I mean, I think Brock Purdy was, you know, I'm, he I'm didn't change the franchise. They, they, they were a great yeah. roster. Brock Purdy came in and was able to fit in. The Texans were the worst team in football last year and now are winning playoff games because right. they have a stud quarterback on the rookie contract. Now, even moving forward, they're going to be able to spend money, put pieces around them. That's how you do it. So, so to finish that one thought, so Joe Shane and Dable were brought in, you know, geniuses, quarterback whispers, blah, 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 whatever they were. Um, signing Daniel Jones to a $95 million for two years was like, that's, 
They had no choice. I mean, I know they had no choice. They had no choice. They the agent no choice. put a gun to their head at like three fifty-eight on the trading deadline, and that's yeah, what they it had took to a while. Do. Yeah, listen, Cliff, they had no choice. They had to do something. That year surprised them. They won the game. They won a playoff game. He played well and extremely well in that playoff game. They had no choice. I think you know. I think they were anticipating probably having a down year with that roster. They overachieved. They won games. They had no choice but to give Daniel Jones, but they gave uh, that contract. But they gave him a contract you can get out of after two years. And I think they should be in the position to do that now. Like that. I mean, who cares how much money he made last year or this year? It's 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 moving forward. So moving forward, hopefully they can move. They'll move on from the contract with a young quarterback, or they won't be able to draft one. And then the contract kind of becomes an issue, especially if he's unhealthy. Like that's part of it too. Like the idea that he's so injury prone, you're going to pay this guy all this money, and you know it makes it harder to build the roster around him. Like that's oh he needs he needs a phenomenal roster. Well, it's it's a lot harder when he's making forty plus million dollars a year to give him that roster. Like that's part of it. Now listen, the cap's a little fugazi, and you work his contract around, and you know you play the games Otani played or whatever. But you you move some money and you you lessen his cap number. But at the same time, still it's hard when they're paying him that money. That's all of it. It's just that this last season, how awful he was, how much they lost, and how he ended the season with another season-ending surgery season. Like that's it. That's it for me. It's over. I'm done with him. I respect him. I do think he's talented, and under the right circumstances, he can win. The Giants can't give him those circumstances, and right now, I can't trust him to stay healthy. So I don't see much of an argument. And they have the sixth pick with what you call the quarterback whisperer. I'll just say one hell of a guy, who, one hell of a quarterback coach who developed Josh Allen. So when you have all those circumstances put together, you roll him in a ball, for me, that means draft a quarterback and move on from Daniel Jones. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. McBonagle here with you. We didn't mention the Johnnies who took down uh, Nova, swept the series from them this year in a dominating performance. And Rick Pitino right now has them trending towards an NCAA tournament. That'd be fun. It was Minko's 500th broadcast. I didn't hear him today live. I was uh, sleeping, but I heard he was in with the uh, midday show. He was in with Sal and BT, I'm going to have to text the Mink Man and congratulate him on 500 games as the St. John's broadcaster. After years at Army, maybe he'll actually see some winning. I mean, I wonder if any broadcaster in history has this, has as bad a record as John Minko does. Because he was, he was with Army during the lean years. And then, like, when they got good, I, I think that was when, when they started winning a little bit more. That's when he no longer became the, the broadcaster there. And then now he's been with the Johnnies for 500 games. Uh, and, I mean, as of late, hopefully this is the beginning of a new era in St. John's basketball. But it's been, it's been rough. I mean, I think, I think he has probably called more losing games than any broadcaster in history. Got to be. Got to be. 877-337-6666. I miss you, Mink. I miss hearing your, stu- your, your voice every 20 minutes. I miss it. John and Freehold. What's up, John? Hey, good morning. 
morning, Chris. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Chris, i got to disagree with this star-chasing idea with the New York Knicks. I mean, this is a damn good basketball team right yep. now. And there's a proven all-star guard, uh, shooting guard out there available right now on the market, as well as a tremendous bench player on the market, that the Knicks have the assets to go out and grab both of them. And I think they're perfect fits for this basketball team. The first one is Javante Murray from Atlanta. This guy's a proven all-star in the league, Chris. He's a bigger guard. He's one of the better defensive guards in the entire NBA right now. He's also among the league leaders every year in steals, in rebounds at the guard position. He's had a career-high shooting from three-point range this season. Yeah. And I, and, I, I, and I think he's gettable. I think he'd be an outstanding guy to pair next to Brunson. I think he would take his defensive game to an elevated level under Thibodeau. And then you go out and get Brogdon, a proven scorer that can drive the ball, can shoot from the three, can defend, can rebound as well at the guard position. Because Jalen Brunson's getting banged around. He's getting beat up. He's getting worn down. He's playing too many minutes. So Brogdon could spell him some time. And you're improving your defense overall with, with uh, Murray at the guard position. You're going to get more rebounds. You're going to get better defense. You're going to get more steals out of Murray. And I think you're going to really – make a deep run in the playoffs with this squad because you can't let Murray go to Milwaukee, Philadelphia, or the Lakers. Well, God knows what the Lakers even have to offer. Yeah, but I mean, rumors about the yeah, Lakers. I, I get that, but you started with, you know, not star chasing. And I don't know if Murray is necessarily a star star, but I mean, he's going to be tough to he's get. He's, he's going to get, yeah, he's I know all, that's, but that's what I'm saying. I understand that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what do you, I thought that that is kind of a little bit, I mean, that's a big trade right there. I don't know if no, they. The big, the, I, I mean, they, I think they, that I don't. I don't think they certainly have the wherewithal. They have the assets to grab both of them. I, I don't know if they have the assets right to grab. Now. I don't know if they have I'm enough to grab both of them. I know. I don't think. I I don't. I I don't know if they can grab both Brogdon and Murray in the same season. Why, I mean, maybe, why, but why can't? Chris, because I think I think you're underestimating how much it's. I think you're underestimating how much it's going to take to get Murray. I, 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 I agree. I agree with everything. I agree with everything you said. But that's that's the move. If you do that, that that is the big move. I, I don't. I, I don't think you're going to be able to get both. I mean, that would be. That's. I agree with you. He's a great player. I mean, I don't know how many draft picks you're going to have to give up. Then, I mean, that's the move. And it doesn't sound like. I, I think it's going to be very difficult to go get him. And you've heard reports that the Knicks aren't, you know, looking to make that kind of move right now. They're looking for more of the Brogdon, more of the the kind of guy who can fill in and take over Brunson. I, I don't know if they're looking to go get uh, Murray, who I agree with. I agree with everything you said. I just, I, I just, I you're 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 talking about that like it's a lesser move. Like yes, it's not going to get, it's not getting Giannis, it's not getting Embiid, it's not getting, uh, you know. I guess what thought to be Mitchell, like that kind of, it's not getting that, you know, big time player necessarily, but I mean, Murray is pretty damn good. It's going to cost you a lot. And it just doesn't sound like the Knicks are there right now, but I'm not opposed to it. I agree. I think he'd be perfect, but I, 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 something has to be done. They have to make a move. The Knicks have to be willing. uh, And, and I think they are, I think they understand. And right now I trust them. So if they if they decide to stay away from a Murray and go get a Brogdon or something like I think they know 
they have a better feel for this team, and I have more faith in their ability to have a feel for this team than I have in a long time. And it's the 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 OG trade. The thing about the OG trade, and I've said this a couple times, it's the instant impact it had. Like, they didn't make that trade, and then, oh, it took some time, and it took some time getting used to missing uh, quickly and Barrett, and it took some time to him fit in. Like, right away, the impact of the team was extremely noticeable. Like, right away, they beat Minnesota that first game, and suddenly it's like, wow, the second you plugged him in, it crystallized everything. And it and it fit every it made every player know their role better. It obviously has increased the 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 play of the two superstars or the two stars in Brunson and Randall. Both of them have gotten better. He he does everything and he they knew it. They traded for him, and besides the fact that really it was met with a lot of negativity from the fan base, it instantly impacted the team and changed who they were. Instantly. So when it's instant like that and the GM recognizes it and then the coach knows how to implement it and right away they make a move that dramatically changes the team for the better, right now I feel about as good as I could possibly feel that Leon Rose and Tibbs know exactly and have their finger on the pulse of this team and know exactly what they need. And I'm confident they're going to go out and do something that makes them still better. And I think right now you're looking at them as the fourth best team in the conference right there with you know Miami and we're going to they're going to see them on Saturday. Uh I think they're right there as the fourth best team and if they can get another piece and save Brunson and Randall and have don't need them to be 30 point scorers both of them on a night to beat the lousy Nets as much fun as it was taking over that building and getting MVP chance in the first half. It's to me that first half and the sloppiness of it and uh, and and having to come from behind in the fourth quarter, nine points, and needing Randall and Brunson to play the way they played in 30 points each, and the minutes they played, like, eventually they're going to have to slow that down. And so, yeah, they need some depth. Now, Murray is better than that. So, like, I don't know. It just feels like, and from what you've heard from whether it be, uh, you know, Woj or whomever, it just sounds like the Knicks aren't there on that kind of move. They're more of the get that bench roll piece, which might be enough. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. If Brunson and Randall can play like this, it may be enough. And if Randall can keep this, the fear is, is we know what Randall is. Right? The fear is that Randall will get to the big spot in the big moment, in the big game, late in the year, come playoff time, and revert back to what he's been when he gets there. And I know last year was hampered by a little bit of an ankle injury, but for the most part, we saw what happened in Atlanta the first go-round, and last year he was just not good. And if he's going to play like this and uh, and really work on and establish the game he's played right now where he's he's limiting, settling for threes, he's getting to the basket, he's being more physical, he's hitting foul shots. I think he went eight for eight in the net game and hit the big shots down the stretch. If he can hit the clutch foul shots, play the way he's played, and be part of it and be that second guy to, to Brunson who we know what he can do, I mean, maybe, just maybe, the two of them are good enough. And I'm starting to feel that way watching them play. But these are going to be two good games. This is going to be a good test against the defending champ and the Miami Heat. Looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow as well and Championship Sunday. And we'll get into it on a football Friday. We'll have our picks. I was miserable last week, but I'm feeling better about things this week. We'll get into the games. We'll we'll give you our picks. We'll do everything we normally do on a football Friday. Starts at 2 a.m. I'll see you then. Thank you guys for listening. 
Thank you guys for calling. Fleegs and Jack on the other side. Appreciate it. The warm-up show is next. I'll see you at 2 a.m. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. Sports Radio 1019 FM. WFNG.